Hello everyone, I'm Captain Logan and this is Superhero Rewind. Superman is the film that started it all. Without it, the superhero film wouldn't be a genre. We have other movies to thank for the fact that there is now a vast library of superhero films, but this one is the foundation all of that was built on. It's successful as being a good movie and it's standing the test of time. And I think there are three main reasons for that. First, it's an epic. Superman was well-known in the late 70s, certainly, but the property hadn't really been a phenomenon since the George Reeves series of the 1950s. To make Superman popular again, this movie needed to be something that show wasn't, and it turned out not to just be epic, but in fact an opus. Secondly, it took itself seriously and played everything, at least with Superman and his origins, straight. Sure, there's a lot of comedy, especially in the final act, but Superman's Kryptonian origin isn't just a plot device so he can have a lot of powers. It's given weight and made central to the story. Which leads into reason number three, and that's the fact that Superman isn't just an adventure film. It's a science fiction film. It came out around the same time as the first Star Wars, 2001, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Alien. Science fiction epics were in, and in a big way. It's no real surprise that Epic is the direction it went, considering it was produced by the same people who did The Godfather. The visuals of Krypton especially look like nothing that came before it. The council with their giant, ominous, holographic heads in the background, the spinning rings around Zod and his conspirators, the robes, and of course the crystals, which seem to be the basis of all Kryptonian technology. Everyone remembers Superman 2 for that special effect of the spinning glass in space that traps Zod and his crew in the Phantom Zone, but that's actually in the very first scene of this movie, just shown again in the sequel to remind us it happened. It's a really unique film because it doesn't follow the normal filmmaking formulas. What you'd expect is Superman's origin to be handled in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie and then the rest of it to be a cohesive story centered around Superman stopping some big evil villain plot. That's really not what we get here at all. I clocked it. It's a full hour into the film before we even see the Superman costume, and also a full hour before we even see Christopher Reeve. Essentially, what we have are three directly connected short stories, all put together to make one film. The first story is about Jarell of Krypton, a scientist of apparently great authority who helps rid his planet of an evil threat, Zod, just before he discovers his planet is doomed. His peers won't listen to him, and nothing is done to stop it, so he sends his infant son to Earth as the last survivor of Krypton. This part of the film plays out nearly like a Shakespearean play, and the Kryptonians all talk the same, and in a very Shakespearean dialect. Jarrell even gets a number of short but profound soliloquies. This is where the science fiction aspect really comes out. Jarrell is a scientist. He doesn't send his son out into space hoping the rocket will crash land on a planet he can live on. He knows about Earth. He knows what the people there are like. He knows they're primitive in comparison to Kryptonians, but he sees this as an opportunity for his son to do some good, and therefore for his own legacy of improving life to live on, even on another planet. Thus, the now famous line, the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. He knows Kal-El will have superpowers on Earth because they aren't magical. They're based on scientific fact. He knows that Kal-El's biology will react in a certain way to the yellow sun, so he gives his son a crystal that will create the Fortress of Solitude and train him in using his abilities and in having the ethics to help mankind rather than to become a tyrant, which would be very easy for Kal-El were he not raised in the right way. Uh, Jarrell says, They can be a great people, Kal-El. They wish to be. They only lack the light to show them the way. All of this instantly transforms something that began in the 30s as a plot device to explain how someone could look human but had, have all of Superman's powers into a dramatic science fiction saga. Marlon Brando gets maybe 15 to 20 minutes as Jarrell, but he's made into a very human, compassionate, sympathetic character. He's the protagonist for the first part of the movie, and a great one. In fact, based on this, I've always wanted to see an entire movie about Jarrell and the last days of Krypton. 
The second part is about how Kal-El, now Clark Kent, is brought up in Smallville by the Kents. The focus is on how he struggles to fit in while being so different from everyone else. He's raised with traditional American values, and those are what get him through his difficulties. We get only snapshots of his life on Smallville, enough to know where his ethics come from, so that when he gets to Metropolis later, we'll understand why both Clark and Superman act the way they do. We see the important stuff, Clark trying to impress Lana Lang, but ultimately failing, the death of his father and how it makes him feel helpless because with all of his powers he couldn't stop it. And finally, he says goodbye to his mother and goes to the fortress, where he apparently spends the rest of his adolescence training with Jarell's programs. We hear bits and pieces of what his birth father teaches him, and there's one important lesson that comes back, which we heard inside the rocket as he was flying to Earth. You must not interfere with the course of human events. And an interesting side note, unlike in other continuities, Jarrell seems to have had the idea himself for Clark to become a superhero, because Superman flies out of the fortress wearing the costume, as opposed to building it himself, but using his father's crest as a starting place, as is done in Lois and Clark and a few other continuities. The third part is, of course, the longest, and that's Superman and Clark Kent's full emergence in Metropolis. I'm always impressed by how well the dual identity is solidified in just an hour. Christopher Reeve plays Clark as a shy and bumbling reporter, but he's polite and respectful and tries to keep up his small-town values, even while being bombarded with big-city ideas. Whereas Superman, of course, seems to do no wrong. He's witty, charming, graceful, and confident. George Reeves played his Superman and Clark very differently from each other as well, but his Clark was still a hero, always the first to take charge in a situation, even if he wasn't wearing his costume. Whereas Christopher Reeves' Clark has an entirely different set of mannerisms from Superman, always pushing his glasses up on his nose, slouching, etc. It's enough to make the audience actually buy that perhaps a pair of glasses and a different way of combing his hair is enough of a disguise. Margot Kidder has always been a strange pick for me as Lois Lane. She's very brassy, which is why she works in the role, but her deep voice always grated on me. She and Christopher Reeve do have an abundance of chemistry, though, and it's nice that the producers decided not to choose the prettiest girl, but the one who really clicked with their lead. There's nothing bad that can be said about Reeve's performance, and all the good things have been said a million times. He is Superman. The character has been based on his performance countless times since then, and probably always will be. There's really nothing else to be said there. I love Gene Hackman, and he's very funny here as Lex Luthor, but I think in a way it's a shame the movie was made when it was. Lex Luthor still hadn't made the switch from mad scientist to corporate tycoon in the comics yet, and as a result, he's played up a little like a comedic Adam West villain. His plot is not a huge grandiose one, really, because it comes so late in the movie, and that's not really the problem. He wants to blow up a bunch of land and then take it over. Okay, fine. The problem is, like every time Superman has a human bad guy, it shouldn't be any trouble for Superman to stop his scheme, but it is. Lex shoots off two missiles in opposite directions and says there's no way Superman, even with his great speed, can get to both of them in time. And he doesn't, so when Lois ends up dying as a result, he spins around the world so fast, he turns time backwards. So why couldn't he get to both of those missiles again? Um, I mean, if he's fast enough to change the course of time, surely he could get to those missiles. The best defense of this, of course, is adrenaline. Maybe Superman had no idea he could go that fast, but he got so angry that he managed it. And by the way, seeing Superman angry is probably the best part of the whole movie for me. Still, that's really all conjecture. It should have been explained better. Oh, and one other nitpick I have to mention before I get to the really big one. The scene where Lois interviews Superman on the roof is very well written, clever, and it's the place where their chemistry shines the most, but I can't get over the fact that Superman reveals for a newspaper article that he can't see through lead. 
He's got to know he's going to have enemies. He's a Kansas farm boy, but he can't be that naive. Why would you advertise a weakness like that? And of course, Lex does indeed read in the, that in the newspaper and use it to his advantage. Go figure. And now comes the one place where the movie really does kind of fly apart. The big theme running through this film is responsibility, and handled way better than Spider-Man, by the way, because at no time does it spell that out and use the word responsibility in a sentence. Superman has been raised with a very strict code of ethics. He is to use his powers only for good, not for personal gain, and only when he is really needed. Both Jarell and his Earth father raised him with the same ideals, which is, by the way, handled really nicely. He is not to interfere with the course of human events. One of those missiles hits, and he flies around saving everyone he can. The one person he misses, of course, is Lois, who in a pretty terrifying scene, especially for 1978, gets buried alive in an earthquake. Superman has done everything in his power to help, but that's not good enough because he's allowed the woman he loves to die. So for purely selfish reasons, he changes the course of human events through time travel. And while he's spinning the earth backwards, Jarrell's words echo in his mind, warning him that what he's doing is wrong. All of this is absolutely excellent, and what would you expect to happen after all of this? You'd expect Superman to go back in time, try to save Lois, and face some sort of consequence. Who knows what it is? Maybe he can't save Lois. Maybe he does save her, but all those other people he saved before now die as a result. Something. But in the end, everything is fine. Lois is safe, Lex goes to jail, everyone loves Superman, the end. It's a nice, wrapped-up, happy ending. And it would have been fine, except that Superman, according to everything he's been taught, has made a huge mistake and he doesn't have to pay for it. In fact, while he's standing there the second time around talking to Lois, I bet there really are a bunch of people he should have been saving getting crushed in rock slides or something because he's wasting time explaining to Lois why he almost didn't get there in time. Just some food for thought. Ultimately, the issue is, the film is so good that it builds up huge expectations. There's no way to end this movie in the same way it started. The only way in my mind that the third act could have lived up to the first is if Zod had appeared in this movie, and that's just too much plot for one film. It works on a lot of levels, as a science fiction film, as an epic, as a comedy. It makes Superman more human than I think anyone previously thought possible. After all, he's indestructible, so how can you possibly do any meaningful character drama with him? The film explores Superman's weaknesses in a way that keeps his innocence and loyalty intact, and that's the best thing about it. Despite my qualms with the ending, and because I've never been able to offer a good argument for what a better ending might be, this is still a masterpiece and deserves a 4 out of 4. Be sure to tune in early next week for my first Geeky Trivia Tournament and sign up in the comments for the tournament announcement video if you'd like to play. The winner of the tournament will pick the next film for Superhero Rewind. Thanks a lot for watching. See you next time.